bid for this beautiful telescope. Fourteen bob, fourteen bob. One pound. I'm bid for this beautiful telescope. One pound. Any advance on one pound? Do I hear one pound ten? One pound ten. Two pound. Two pound ten. Three pound ten. Three pound ten. In advance. Four pound ten. Five pound. Five pounds. Five pounds for this beautiful telescope. Any more offers? Going then for five pounds. Going, going, gone. That will be five pounds, sir. Here then. Thank you. Now let me see what's next. Ah, yes. This slightly soiled five-pound note. What am I bid? A pair of brass candlesticks. A pair of brass candlesticks. Any advance on a pair of brass candlesticks? Three brass candlesticks. Three brass candlesticks. A hunting horn. A silver napkin ring. A silver napkin ring for this beautiful five-pound note. Any advance on a silver napkin ring? A crown derby teapot. A crown derby teapot. Am I bid any more for this beautiful five-pound note? No, then. Going for a crown derby teapot. Going, going. A telescope. A telescope. One bit of telescope. Any more bits? No. Going, going, gone. Now, what am I bid for this beautiful telescope? Do I hear five pound ten? Six guineas! Six guineas! Any advance for six guineas? Once again, the Angus Prune tune brings under the hammer Timbrook Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall, and Bill Oddy. And here, ladies and gentlemen, with lot 672, is John Otto Cleese. It's, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Again. One pound ten. Two pounds. Any of us are two pounds. Two pounds. Hey, Bill. Look. Huh? Yeah, that's the Archbishop of Canterbury over there. It's not. It is, honest. It, it is. It is. I've seen his picture in the paper. It's not. It is, honest. It's honest. It is. Ask him. What? Ask him if he's the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> oh, all right then. <clears throat> Excuse me, Squire. Are you the Archbishop of Canterbury? Push off! <laughs> well, was he? I don't know. He didn't say. Matron told me you wanted to see me, sir. Uh, yes, Partridge. Come in, my boy. As your housemaster, I want to talk to you on a very serious matter. I'll try not to laugh, sir. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, very good, Partridge. Uh, do sit down. Well, now, how do you enjoy being a prefect? Well, it does take up rather a lot of my valuable time, sir. Ye yes, yes, of course it does. Um, how's your father, by the way? Uh, very well, thank you, sir. How's yours? <laughs> Quite well, thank you, Partridge. A terribly tedious old gentleman, as I recall. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. And Partridge. you might ask him to shave properly next time he comes. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, I will, Partridge. Will that be all, sir? Yes. No, no, no. No, I, I do rather want to say one or two things to you. Uh, well, make it as quick as you can, will you, sir? I've got your wife waiting for me in the linen cupboard. <laughs> Helping to sort out the clean linen, are you, Partridge? Oh, do be your age, sir. <laughs> Now, uh, what was it you wanted to say? Uh, well, now, uh, Partridge, I... <clears throat> you see, it's... Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's... Well, spit it out, man, spit it out. Well, well uh, to, to be perfectly frank, I, I've had reports about your drinking, you see. Now, uh, do you drink, Partridge? Uh, thanks, I'll have a scotch and soda. <laughs> Surely you know the rules about drinking. You know, you're beginning to bore me, Clarence. <laughs> what did you call me? Clarence. Clarence, it is your name, isn't it? Well, yes, of course. But, I mean, I, you know, I hardly expect you... Well, there's no need to be so touchy. I can quite understand that you're very embarrassed about it, of course. Look, <laughs> it must be one of the most embarrassing names one could possibly have, apart from Jocelyn. <laughs> Your second name isn't Jocelyn, by any chance, is it? Well, as a matter of fact... Yes, I thought it probably was. <laughs> I suppose that was the idea of your dreary old father. Look, will you stop talking about my dr my father? Now, will you let me get on with what I want to say? I have heard that you've been bullying one or two of the smaller boys. What utter, utter rubbish. Who told you? Well, now, I, I don't Who really... Who told you that? Well, 
Simpkins Minor. I'll break his fingers. <laughs> well, my time is precious, and if you have nothing else to say... Y- yes, yes, I, I have something else to say. I'm, I'm far from satisfied with the standard of your work. I beg your pardon? I said I'm, I'm far... I heard you perfectly clearly the first time. I've never known such unbelievable impertinence in all my life. Do you carry on like this at home? Well, look, I, I mean, You're I... You're a I, cheeky little man, aren't you? Well, well I... You're I, a, what are you? Che- You're no. cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. So let's not have any more of it, cheeky. Well, if that's all, I must be going. Mustn't keep your wife waiting. Oh! Darling. Yes, darling. Isn't nature wonderful? Yes. Isn't it? Have you ever thought of the strange and wonderful ways of nature? Yes. Yes, I have. What have you thought? I thought... How strange and wonderful they are. Take animals, for example. Yes, take animals. To, to realise how like us they are, you've only got to look at those two squirrels. Those two squirrels? Yes. Those two squirrels over there? Yes. But they're... I know, they're gathering nuts for the winter and we don't have to do that. But spiritually, they're very like us. Oh, spiritually. Yes. I thought you were going to suggest that we pretended we were squirrels. And gather nuts, jump from branch to branch and go... Uh, no, that isn't quite what I meant. Well, perhaps we're more like those two spiders. Where? Where? Oh, just behind you. Oh! You see, that they're clinging to each other just as you're clinging to me. That's because I'm frightened of them. Oh, now you've trodden on them. And they look so happy. Well, they could just as easily have trodden on us. I was just too quick for them, that's all. How would you like to be trodden on? Is that a threat or a proposition? How dare you? Out in the country here, miles from anywhere, I'd dare anything. <laughs> Would you dare jump across that river? No. Why not? I might not make it. You certainly won't if you don't jump across that river. I'll jump! <laughs> Darling? Yes? You know I said we were like animals? Yes? Omit fish! Why? They can swim! Opportunity Flops, your very own no-talent show, bringing you at no expense all that is worst and most pointless in the world of entertainment. Yes, friends, and this is the show that gives artists whom the public have forgotten a chance to show why. And don't forget, friends, we ask you, the audience, to decide who gets this fabulous custard pie. And just to remind you how low we can sink, let's recall last week's winner, who was... Mr. Nathaniel Crutch, who had made 500 boxes of matches out of a model of Coventry Cathedral. Yes, and I know it's going to take a lot to get more futile than that, friends. But here to try is Bill Oddy, the tap-dancing prune farmer from Rochdale. (laughs) All right, just step up and let's hear those leaden feet, Bill. on the old boo-ometer, but there's nothing worse than a really degrading animal act. And so here's Granny Kendall with Tiddles, her highly trained cat. Now then, Granny, tell us, what does Tiddles do? I'll train my cat to be thrown into a bucket of water at 14 paces. <laughs> well, what's, what's so wonderful about that? Well, would you allow yourself to be thrown into a bucket of water no, I, at 14 No, I don't suppose paces? I would. Now, tell me, how do you get him to do it? Shh, he doesn't know. <laughs> 
was diabolical. And on with the show now with John Cleese. He will sing riding and accompanying himself on a bicycle. Old man revolved, that old man revolved, he just keeps... this time for John. Well, that was chronic. Absolutely disgraceful. And now, friends, let's see if Tim Brown Windsor, the farmer's lad from Buxton, can get any worse with his farmyard impersonations. It's summer and and the birds are singing. (laughs) Moo! Sorry, the the, the cuckoo. Woof! And the lark. Bah. Oh dear. Over the hill we hear the tinkling of cowbells. Oh dear. I'm so sorry. And Farmer Giles' friendly call. Get knotted! I think I'd better go and rehearse. Well, thank you, friends. And that's 95 for Tim. And finally, finally, the incredible balancing feats of David Hatch and Les Trois Twits. Hey, hup, hey, hup, hey, 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 Three friends, fantastically bad. And I think that's the worst act we've ever had. In fact, it is the worst act we've ever had. That's marvelous. And thank you for being quite the worst audience we've ever had. And thank you especially for your booze. We'll be drinking it after the show. I suppose you want to see around the flat, do you? Uh, Yes, please, if it's not inconvenient. It is, actually, but follow me. In step, if you don't mind. Right. Now, then, here we have the living room. It's rather small, I'm afraid. In fact, all the rooms are. The architect was a dwarf. (laughs) However, it'll be quite cosy when the windows are put in. (laughs) What about the roof? Oh, you'd like a roof, would you? (laughs) Oh, well, that can be arranged, though you may have to wait a bit. We're a little short of plastic. Uh, and look here, if you want roofs on all the rooms, you won't be able to get in. You see, these flats were really built for parachutists. Now then, if you'll follow me, I'll show you the bedrooms. Yes. Now, in here, this is the first one. I know it's exceedingly cramped, but it was originally designed as the loo. Which, ex- <laughs> which of course, explains that chain over the bed. <laughs> for heaven's sake, don't pull it or you'll get an electric shock. <laughs> now, to flush the loo, you turn out the light in the main bedroom. That's rather inefficient, isn't it? Absolutely ludicrous. I can't agree. I see. Uh, wh- where's the bathroom? Ah, well, I hoped you weren't going to ask that. There isn't one. But if you want the bath, you'll find the Crippins across the road. Very amenable. All the people in this block go there. They don't come back, but I mean, you can get killed crossing the road these days, can't you, eh? Well, I suppose you'd like to see the main bedroom, would well, you? Well, since I'm here, I... Yeah, well, this is the main bedroom. Not a bad room, really. Sorry about the barbed wire. We ran out of bricks. <laughs> 
uh, who are all those people sitting in that cupboard? Uh, they're the sitting tenants, sir. <laughs> and I'm afraid you're stuck with the goat as well. Well, what's it doing in here? Don't worry, sir. It does that in all the rooms. <laughs> what, what, I, what I mean is, why is it here? Oh, see, refused to budge when the builders came, sir. Anyway, it's impossible for the milkman to deliver, so be thankful for small mercies. Do you think you could manage to milk it? Well, I could have a go. You'd be lucky as a billy goat. <laughs> Do you have the main services? Oh, yes, except Evensong. <laughs> Parsons always in the pub at 6.30 playing dominoes. No, 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 no. What I mean is, can you get electricity and gas? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> no. Well, how am I supposed to keep warm? Well, have you got any furniture? One or two sticks, yes. Well, rub them together. I think I've seen quite enough now, thank you. How do I get out? Fly? Oh, very funny. It serves you right for dropping in in the first place. And now it's animal question time. But since no animals have sent in questions this week, <laughs> here is Lydia Picnic Basket to talk to you. Good evening, animal lovers. How can we help our animal friends in the cold weather? One little chappy who could do with a helping hand is the domestic cow. You can help by telling your branch secretary to put you on his have a cow at home list. <laughs> They're very shy, so do be extra nice on their first visit. Incidentally, Mrs. Crun of Bootle tells us that there was a fantastic response to her knit a jumper for a cow appeal. <laughs> she is now starting on a cow slip <laughs> and one or two other things <laughs> and now our winged friends try and ease the tops off the milk for them it's quite easy use a penny or a sixpence or a coin will do just as well and now for the moment you've all been waiting for the outright winner of our annual award is Mr. Ferdinand Blunt of Carshalton during the recent Arctic conditions, Mr. Blunt braved the elements to go into the nearby woods to feed the wolves. He leaves a widow and two chickens. <laughs> Runner-up is Mrs. Fig of Dorking. For a year now, Mrs. Fig has lived upside down in order to make the bats feel at home. <laughs> she writes to ask, the bats are now living the right way up. What should I do? Well, Mrs. Fig, don't come off the ceiling, or that will confuse them more. <laughs> well, that's all for now, and if you see an alligator swimming in your bird bath, that'll teach you to swim in your bird bath. Good night. <laughs> And now, a word for all you dog lovers. Kinky. <laughs> and now, a song. <laughs> and now, a song for all you dog lovers. Through life's tribulations, it's worry and woe. I've got me a buddy wherever I go. He isn't a wombat, a cat, or a Sit, sit, 
so fond as a canine embrace When he tenderly licks you all over your face And he'll never complain And you know he'll rejoice When he hears the sweet singing of his master's voice He's a man's best friend He's a man's best friend He will be with me right up to the end Oh, I don't want a mouse And I don't want a moggy Cause a man's best friend is his doggy St. Bernard or a Pekingese or maybe a Dachshund a Poodle or Pug or a dirty great bloodhound to lie on your rug He's a man's best friend He's a man's best friend He will be with you right up to the end And I'm never afraid when I know he's around Cause a man's best friend is his hand Here boy, here boy, come on boy Speaking. Uh, this is uh, Fred Green of Canyon Villas. Uh, you know that medicine you gave me, Doc? Uh, Mr. Green, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, what was in it? Uh, nothing, really. Just a simple tonic. Yeah, uh, well, well, I've had an accident. Oh? Yeah, uh, our budgie drank some. So? It, it's gone berserk, Doc. Berserk? No, berserk. Since he drank your tonic, it's gone mad. Mad in what way? It's turned rogue, Doc. I've got a rogue budgie. What do you mean? Well, well the, the cat strayed by its perch this morning and something terrible happened. What? The budgie ate it. <laughs> the budgie ate your cat? Yeah, yeah, and our goldfish had disappeared as well. well. Mr. Green, this really isn't my problem, you know. You need a vet. Yeah, yeah, well, we called him in, but he couldn't do nothing. Why not? Uh, the budgie ate him as well. A man-eating budgie? Yeah, 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 it's very worrying, Doc. I haven't seen my wife for two hours. <laughs> and my snakeskin slippers have gone as well. well. Well, you must stop it. What's it doing now? Flying around the garden with our neighbour in its foot. <laughs> it must be destroyed. Shoot it or something. Uh, no, Doc, I couldn't do that to my little Joey. That little Joey's eating people, Mr. Green. But, but he's hungry, Doc. Look, look, just hold on. I'll get the police there. D don't bother, Doc. I've called them. What are they doing? Hiding with me under the stairs. Well, I'll get the fire brigade, then. They, they've been here, too, but they ran off when Joey walked up the ladder and rang their bell. Well, really, Mr. Green, I don't think I can help. Oh, you can, Doc, you can. You, you know I told you the budgie drank the medicine? Yes. That's what I'm phoning you about. Can I have some? And now a tale to send shivers up your teeth and make your spine rattle. Four people have gathered in answer to a mysterious summons served by a mysterious traffic warden. Walking up the weed-covered path, they come to a crumbling ruin. He speaks. I am the butler, done it. Told by a mysterious summons to come to this remote storm-tossed island and provide an obvious suspect. How do you do? I'm Aubrey Pfaff with two small Fs and a silent P. <laughs> renowned, renowned stage designer. I do astonishing things with bits of wooden canvas. Colonel Ingoldsbury Williams with two small eyes and a large moustache. VCMB, UKCMG, MRA, MS, LSD, H2S and Bar. <laughs> <laughs> 
Stage door. Fred Higgins, female impersonator. And my name is widely known. George widely known. Impresario. Introductions over, the usher bustles them into an impressive library. The panels are oak and the ceiling isn't too bad either. He crosses to an old horn gramophone and, pushing aside the little dog, he places a record on it. But the dog isn't plugged in, so he tries it on the ground. You are all going to die, if you hear me. Die. D-A-I, die. You are all going to be killed, murdered, wiped out, annihilated, destroyed. <laughs> Great heavens, what do you think of that, Fred? Well, it's this original, and you can hear the words. Yes, I voted a hit. <laughs> Colonel uh, Inglesby Williams? I recognise that voice. Who was it? It was the voice of... He's slumped to the floor. I think he's dead. Look, two little holes in his head. By Jove, yes. His nostrils. <laughs> it's a plot. A diabolical plot. Oh, no, but it's all we've got. One <laughs> down, three to go. There's only one person who could be behind this. It must be... Ah! Aubrey, what is it? Cramping me calf, sweetie. <laughs> These gold lame suspenders are wicked. The following morning, an important decision had to be faced. Well, I think perhaps the wheaty puffs. I, I have the snappy brand. It does keep me going. Yes, it would. <laughs> Sir, I've just found Mr. Widely Known lying in his underwear with a black silk cord knotted tightly round his neck. Oh, I say. You mean... You mean... He was choked? Well, he wasn't very pleased. It's a very sick joke, done it. I'm a very sick butler, sir. We can say that again. I'm a very sick butler. Get off. George Widely Known dead, that means there's only three of us left. Who will be the next to... Suspenders giving you trouble again? No... In my weighty puffs, a colourless, tasteless, odourless, undetectable poison. How do you know? It says so on the packet. <laughs> Is he? Is he? Well, I did have my suspicions, but... <laughs> now we'll never know. Three down and one to go. Now I can drop my pretenses and reveal myself. I am the... <laughs> Pretense is dropping. Wait a minute. I recognise you. Yes? Yes. You're the butler, done it. That's right, and I did. What? Do it. Ah, oh, so you done it. Yes, me done it. You, Jane. <laughs> Your time has come. I shall take this gun and shoot you. Take that. Take that. Take that. What will be that? Luckily, the sound effect jammed, and Fred Higgins, female impersonator, who was really policewoman Doris Trueheart impersonating a female impersonator, quickly pushed the butler into a handy valise, and by jumping on it, was able to close the case. <laughs> to think I should have sunk to this. I should have been a concert pianist like Mummy wanted. Prune tune brings to an end another edition of I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, a show of which so many people have said, What? 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 what?
Those taking part were Tim Brooke Taylor, John Cleese, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Joe Kendall and Bill Oddy, with the music of Dave Lee. What? The scripts were by Tim Brooke Taylor, Brian Cook and Johnny Mortimer, Graham Garden, David Hatch, Alan Hutchison, Bernard King and Peter and David Lund, with songs by Bill Oddy and arrangements by Leon Cohen. What? When? The show was produced by Humphrey Barclay, who was this week's deliberate mistake. <laughs> so there it is until the same time again next week, when John Otto Cleese will once again whisper seductively at the microphone. Nice microphone. <laughs> what did he say?